then you cannot buy. Send me in love, then you cannot mix. One is the joy that you cannot waste, and the other one price that you cannot fix. This is the peace that you cannot buy. Finding a way where you cannot see. Man with this system, you cannot break. Hey, Beauty Needs Me fam, welcome to another episode. I am one of your co-hosts, Duni Odomosu. What is that? How you say your name? Odomosu. Okay, see, we're going to cut that out. Yes. <laughs> Why you got to cut it out? <laughs> it's actually Odumosu, but you know. Really? I've been saying. Yeah. Odumosu? Really? Yeah. I mean, it's the Americanized version. Damn. My I mean, bad, nobody baby. really, you know. Yeah, it's the Americanized okay. version. I'm the other co-host, by the way, Talia Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know how to say Dooney's last name. <laughs> Dag. You know what that reminds me of in the very beginning? when I struggled to even like pronounce your first name correctly. Yeah, I think you, you called me like that? Dunny. I was like, I was, calling, I was like, are we sure it's not Dunny? <laughs> I was like, I'm positive. I know, I know what my mama named me. <laughs> but <laughs> this is your first time listening to The Pod. Beauty Needs Me is a show where we discuss beauty from a holistic perspective in a way that crosses color, culture, and country lines. And today we have Montre Moore. Did I say your first name right? Yes, Montre. Good. Okay. We <laughs> all have beautiful up. names. Mine is French. All the names today. Come on, yeah, same. But Dooney, isn't there another person, a woman who spells her name the same but pronounces it Dunny? Did I make that shit up? You might not have made it up. I don't know who you're talking about, but you, you may be she accurate. Was, she kind of famous, like Dunny O. Do you ever right? Right. Yeah. Oh, that's the difference. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Anyway, back to my tray. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's the origin of your name? Um, Nigerian. Duni. So Nigerian. It's, it's, it's it? the Yoruba tribe. Yoruba. My best friend's Yoruba. Come on. We're great. We're great. Her We're name great. is Adeola. Okay, Adi. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Shout out Adi. to you, boo. <laughs> Montre, tell us, look, I'm, I'll talk all day. Montre, tell us about you and your company. We love yes. having you here. Yes, so my name is Montre Moore. I am one of three co-founders of Amp PDLA. I am the CEO in Amp PDLA, the short version. We're a tech-forward online retailer. We carry mass and um, prestige beauty products for all textures and all shades. I love that you said tech-forward. Like, what does yes. that entail yes that was like my first question (laughs) (laughs) yes so um we're launching some really cool tech features in 2022 so basically our whole mission is just to amplify black beauty and be able to provide resources to smaller black owned brands um Mm -hmm. that would necessarily or are not readily available and one of those features are tech features and um in 2022 we are looking towards launching um, a really amazing um, beauty dashboard where you'll be able to speak with a beauty expert and have like one-on-one beauty consultations and link with the dermatologist and just any kind of beauty concerns you may have questions about, you can log into your Ant Beauty dashboard and be connected with a beauty expert. I love that. That is amazing. That was literally one of my first questions. I, I think one of your co-founders, I want to say maybe Felicia. What are their names? Yeah, so um, Angel Lanise, she is our chief creative officer. And then Felicia Phillips, she is our COO. Okay. So I think I was reading an um, an interview that you all did. And I think she said something along the nature of like, 
because she was working at a tech company previously, right? And she was learning about AI and AR, so artificial intelligence, augmented reality. Um, And I think she said something along the lines of trying to integrate that. So I was wondering how exactly do you integrate that into a beauty company, into an online retail company or e-tailer, I think is what is the term that's actually being well, yes, used that's now. Like the core right? <laughs> and mm. e-tailer, which I, I actually really like that term. So will is AI included in all that you've said, or is that something that's completely different that could be incorporated? That's a really great question. So yeah, there's a lot of so the first issue is like mm-hmm. making sure that we're solving a problem in the marketplace. And I think when it comes to AI and AR, um, there is a, a bias that happens. Um, with darker skin tones, um, where, mm. for example, um, because you may have a darker skin tone, your skin could appear more oily, but it's just the light, how it reflects and captures darker skin tones. So there's a lot of issues when it comes to like a camera being able to recognize beauty concerns when it comes to darker skin tones. So we really want to be intentional um, with, you know, marketing AI and um AI and AR resources um, through Amp Beauty LA, but there's a lot of work to be done in, in the space. And we're just happy to like be a part and then champion like a more an unbiased take on AI and AR. So you're able to, you know, melanated skin can also get the same type of accuracy that fair tone skins receive when using these beauty um, technologies. I think that's so important. Um, we all sit in Zoom meetings all day long. And I swear, every time I have a background, I look like a black shadow. And it's like, (laughs) I'm not even dark skinned. It's like, why the fuck do I look so crazy? And I mentioned it like I was on a meeting the other day, yesterday with my boss. She was on a phone and she looked great. She white. I was like, (laughs) why my black ass? I'm on a whole laptop. Right. And she's like, I love your background because I like little, you know, cute ones that look like luxurious libraries and shit. I was like, yeah, "Yeah, but they got me looking like a black speck. (laughs) I thought for Zoom, I literally have to be like the window has a window has to be behind me in order for me to like just show up looking proper. You know what I mean? Otherwise, the color, everything is just completely off. It's crazy. So Montre, yeah, when you say issue. when you say that it will um the program, the the dashboard will feature a beauty expert, are we just talking dermatologists or are we talking like skin influencers and estheticians as well? Because everybody an expert look. Let them tell me. Right. I know, right? So yeah, we're going to start with um of course, dermatologists, estheticians, um, people who are makeup artists or have, you know, years of experience in the beauty um, space and definitely want to use their, lean on their expertise to be able to provide um, beauty recommendations and just address general skin concerns. I think we're going to roll it out in phases where, you know, maybe it's something super light where it's like, hey, I know for me, my skin's been super dry here in LA. It's like, summertime during the day right now and then like at night it's like a totally different it's like winter um so like my skin is adjusting to the climate change and it's very dull right now so it'd be really great to just be able to hop on and speak to someone and be Mm -hmm. able to be paired with a product that can treat um you know surface level skin concerns yeah at the least (laughs) I really I really appreciate that because as I was going through your website so first of all I am so excited by the number of brands that you all have. I think there's like more than 50. 
there are so many brands that I had never heard of. So I think that your platform and providing Black-owned beauty brands, um, you know, visibility is absolutely amazing. But one of the questions that I immediately had was, you know, people I think have, people love trying products, but I feel like there's always a hesitation when it's something you haven't heard of, something you don't know about. And I think that's why influencers are so big these days because people latch onto their trusted influencers, right? I know people who like at least trust one, maybe two at the most influencers where like if, if that influencer, (laughs) if that influencer recommends something, people will just go and, and buy it. Right. So one of the things that I was thinking was, well, how am I supposed to know what's actually going to work? Like there were so many body butters that I'm like, I want to try these, but I know a lot of body butters don't work on me. So like, I don't want to get caught with buying three different ones. When I say don't work on me, I well, mean Dooney, that they it sounds just don't, like you should they don't be penetrate. An influencer. It sounds like you should purchase them, try them in the now, y'all know. Now we didn't, we didn't, this was a failed experiment for our beauty needs me page. I'm, I'm, I'm trolling her. Not sorry. She is That's never hilarious. going to do it. She's never going to do it. She's never going to do it. But so I'm, I'm really excited about this component that's going to come to the website. Cause that was one of my immediate things was this is great. I want to try all of these things, but you know, it gets expensive trying stuff that you Absolutely. have no clue how it's going to to work on you. Yeah. So the really interesting part about the beauty dashboard is that you'll be able to have a personalized shopping experience. So you're able to enter your preferences. And if there is something with a certain ingredient um, that doesn't work well with your skin tone, you'll never be shown those products. So you just want to make Ooh. sure we have a fine highlight products that are targeted Specifically for you. Right. Oh, that makes sense. Um, do you all, uh, I guess, are you considering a sample program? Is that something? Yes. Yeah, so we, yes, for sure. 1000%. Um, my ba- beauty is all about um, play, right? And sampling. Mm-hmm. I love samples myself as a beauty enthusiast and um, definitely partnering with our brands to make sure we're able to provide you know, that sampling experience. So, you know, if you do, when you do receive a package, you are able to also try other beauty products mm. with your order. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's like one of my favorite things about Sephora. It's how I get hooked on so much shit. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. that's try. how I found that, um, that herbivore, uh, retinol mm-hmm. al- alternative. It's yeah. Because it, wow. it was sent to me as a sample. And I'm yeah. like, you know, and I like to be able to pick my samples too. Right. So Matre, let's take it back a little bit. What was your relationship with beauty growing up? Yeah, so that's a really great question. So I always, like, I loved makeup. I love beauty. My mom, like, I just remember my earliest memories and my fondest memories were just watching my mother apply her makeup in the morning before going to work. Like, mm-hmm. I remember sitting down on the toilet seat and, like, getting dressed early for school just so I can be a part. I didn't want to miss her applying her makeup. That was, like, so the cute. highlight of my morning. So I remember sitting on the cold toilet seat and leaning over, and she would be smoking <laughs> a cigarette, always applying cold. eyeliner. I love <laughs> right. Smoking a cigarette, applying eyeliner. I love smoking that. Smoking a cigarette, <laughs> applying eyeliner. I used to just sit there and watch her. I thought she was the most, you know, still is the most gorgeous, fabulous woman, in my opinion. And then also my grandmother before her, like we were just all, we had a close relationship and we were all beauty girls. And I, you know, at that time, I didn't realize that that was, 
it just was so natural to me. It was like, you know, going outside playing that, you know, later now I look back like, wow, you know, I was, you know, that was my fondest memory of like just being in the bathroom, watching her apply makeup. And I was just so fascinated. You know, it was the eyeliner for me and like the lashes. So um, it inspired me to want to like, she felt so empowered and she was just so confident after. And um, it just really, yeah, it influenced for sure my decision to just really embrace this beauty journey. Yeah. And you grew up in LA, right? Or I did grow up in LA. Yes. So what was and like beauty? Cause I, I know there's various LA's, right? So like, what, how would you describe beauty culture in LA where you, wherever it was never, you grew up? I've also never met a person from LA. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm fascinated. Um, at like, <laughs> like, What was that like? <laughs> Yeah, night growing up, it was like, you know, it was a 90, like big hair, bright lips, bold eyeshadow that wasn't blended properly. Like it was just <laughs> um LA. I just felt like it was, you know, beach waves and yeah, that's a really great question. Just like I just remember big hair and like popping eyeshadow. Love that. So yeah. Did you ever feel um a pressure as times changed, especially with the aesthetic that's popular in LA as far as like surgeries and, you know, girls getting dressed full face of makeup just to go to the grocery store. Did you ever feel that pressure? Do you currently feel that pressure to kind of like be LA pretty? Mm. Um, I think that pressure, honestly, I don't think it comes from like a particular demographic. I think with the most recent news of like Facebook and the whistleblower and like um, being more aware of the content that we're consuming and social media and how it influences like our mental health from like beauty ideals and standards to eating disorders and depression. So I definitely feel Mm. more of like, I know growing up in that Facebook, Instagram age, like I, you were, I was seeking personally unrealistic expectations of beauty and Mm -hmm. like, why doesn't my photo look like that? Or like, you know, and then you didn't know she had 10 filters or, you know, face tuned her face to just, you know, be super snatched. So I definitely think, um, shout out to Lush Cosmetics, who's going dark on social media right now and pushing that agenda. And um, we're also thinking about that here at AMP because, you know, with the, you know, people buying followers and Facebook just having this unrealistic influence on our lives and especially for young women and champion of young girls, we really want to, you know, find a way to make a stand against that. Um, And I think that's where the unrealistic beauty um, ideals came, you know, for me growing up came from social media and not, not my environment, everyone around me, like you get that real life feel. Like I know what you wake up in the morning, LA girls, (laughs) I grew up around it. So it was really like, everyone was really pretty and really gorgeous. Right. But in their own right, I don't think it was a particular like area. I think it's more social media that became Mm. like, developing these unnatural habits. Yeah. So I'm also interested in how things changed if they changed for you when you went to undergrad. So you went to Clark Atlanta. And yes. um, and the reason I asked that is because I know there's like a culture with HBCUs, especially with like Spelman, Howard, Clark Atlanta, like, you know, these, um, I guess, prestigious HBCUs. So did your ideas on beauty or beauty standards or anything of that nature changed? Did you feel like, you know, you had to be 
completely done up because, you know, all the other girls were done up or was there or was that what you were doing in L.A. anyway? So it didn't really make a a difference. Yeah, I think definitely that's a going to an HBCU that influenced my beauty standards just by being more comfortable and confident. I don't think it was ever Mm -hmm. an overreaching thing. It was just more so like, hey, the people around me, like I believed in like one standard of black beauty. And then I went to an HBCU and I saw many standards of uh, black beauty people uh, you know, with more fair skin than me, you know, and people darker skin tones and just as beautiful and accepted in the compute in the community. Um, so it was just more liberating for me to go to an HBCU and see, you know, different shade ranges, different textures of hair and still everyone being on the same accord of like influencing the culture mm. and just being, you know, just uplifting one another. There was never like a you know, I think in the in the community, it's like um, we we love to look good, we love to dress up, and it's not a negative con. It's not a negative, you know, connotation associated with it. It's yeah. more like we're empowering each other and uplifting. A girl, you look good. Your shoes look good. Who did mm-hmm. your hair? Like connecting right. with that hairstylist, connecting <laughs> with that makeup artist. Like it was about sharing the code at the at um an HBCU, and then like in the sorority culture, you know. It, you know, it was that sisterhood aspect that really also gave it that extra um, icing on the cake. Yeah. Love oh, I love that. Okay. So from a business standpoint, so you, you came from, or let me ask you, um, as a beauty expert, your day job previous to starting this company was in beauty as well, right? Yes. Yes. So um, I, so after Clark Atlanta, um, I received my degree in communications, concentrating in public relations, um, went and worked for TNT, TBS, which was, you know, a lot of film and TV on the PR side, realized that's just something wasn't clicking with me in that um, industry. Um, and I just decided I did a lot of research one day and discovered the program um, FITM, mm-hmm. um, which was a beauty industry, fashion institute of design and merchandising. And they had a um, specialty program called beauty industry management. And I, oh, you know, I grew up listening, you know, hearing about FITM, knowing about FITM, um, and never really looked at it from the lens of like, how can I like find my passion, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. through that program. And I just went for it. I was like, hey, I know I love you. I could do beauty with my eyes closed. And something that I think comes so natural to me, and I expect it you know, that it was just natural to everyone. I started to realize, no, you have a gift. You need to tap into that. So researched the program, um, received my um, second degree in beauty industry management from FITM. And then from there, I secured a job um, as the department manager at the um, Neiman Marcus, running the cosmetics and fragrance department, which is a $14 million counter. Come on. So it was really, really, <laughs> a really, really amazing experience to just be over, you know, really amazing brands like La Mer, Sicily, um, Tom Ford, Chanel, and just, you know, being, being that world of like yeah. the best of the best. Mm-hmm. So I love that because I, as I was stalking your LinkedIn um, <laughs> and saw that you got that second degree, I was like, I've never, I didn't even know that that was a thing. I didn't mm-hmm. know, what is it? Beauty industry management. management. I didn't even know that that was, there was a track 
for that somewhere. And I was super impressed because I think that sometimes people have this connotation with beauty. Um, You know, they know that beauty is a huge industry, but I think sometimes people just kind of write it off as like um, frivolous. Frivolous. Yeah. Yeah, Without realizing (laughs) like, no, this is a major industry. This is a real business. So so for me, you need a skill set. Exactly. To see that there's even that dedicated track. I, I, I thought that that was amazing. And, and kudos to you for, you know, not just relying on your natural beauty enthusiast hat, but, you know, going after that. Kudos to you. Oh, yeah. So how did you and your co-founders connect and land on AMP? Yes. Um, so we basically, Angel was living in New York at the time and she came in for dinner and drinks, um, I believe on a work trip. And she was missing one of like our, her staple products. I believe edge it was control. like edge control. <laughs> yes. You know, the story come through. So, so edge control. So it started with the edge control. It's like, it's like a movie now. Um, and so we're in Felicia. Felicia's from LA as well. And Angel's like, man, I need to get some edge control. Like, I, can I saw a target? Can I just go there and grab it? I mean, it was just one of those moments. Felicia and I looked at each other. We're like, how do we uh, tell her that she needs to go to Inglewood and Crenshaw to get her um, <laughs> product, which I love those communities. Go there, yeah. you know. But you already in downtown LA. Like, why do you I mean, have to go all the way? Yeah. Why? Yeah. So it was just one of those light bulb moments. And we were just like, why? Like, we have the money to spend. Like, probably if Edge Control was $50 and she could get it downstairs, she probably would have bought it. Mm-hmm. Like, we have the cat. We spend eight times more than our counterparts on beauty. Um, it just really doesn't make any sense that there's still this friction when we want to shop for beauty products we love. And then, um, so we had that conversation and we were just like, hey, look, like, let's do, let's start with the research. And if honestly, if no one else shops Aunt Beauty LA but us, then hey, at least we have somewhere to grab our beauty products. <laughs> like, it was just, it started from that. And then with my previous experience of just like running a department where, um, at Neiman Marcus grew a trending beauty section from zero to $250,000 mm-hmm. um, within a couple months. And there was probably over 50 beauty brands and there was one black founder. So mm-hmm. I remember putting on this really big uh, beauty bosses and brunch and we would, we interviewed all of the founders and shout out to Dana from Beneath Your Mask. Cause she was the only, you know, Black woman representing this beauty space. So it was really just a, a moment for me personally where I was like, what am I really doing here? Like these people, they don't need any help. They're good. Like, mm-hmm. and how can I, and I'm scrolling on Instagram. There's thousands of amazing brands. Black-owned beauty brands that I just was like, something's not, there's a disconnect between what I'm seeing in my culture and on my timeline versus like what's happening in these major retailers. And it just wasn't okay for me. It didn't feel good. So from a personal standpoint, I really wanted to champion and be, um, really make Aunt Beauty LA a space where, you know, smaller beauty brands, black owned beauty brands, inclusive beauty brands can be amplified and receive shelf space and we're stronger together, right? So if we can pull together 50 to 100 Black-owned beauty brands and go to like a Target and say, here we are and let's, you know, dominate the space that way, I feel like that's a better strategy than, you know, one by one trying to like knock the door down. We just need to create our own space and have them come to us. I have so many 
um, follow-up questions and points. <laughs> so Lee, I don't know if you have anything, but I'm a, I'm a well, I just I just want to know if you quit your your day job to do it full time. Like, so did you leave Neiman Marcus to just do it full time to do it full time? Yes, I did. We were actually, you know, I was there while we were building the beginning stages of AMP. And then it just came a point in time was like, hey, if you're really gonna like do this wholeheartedly, you need to I can't be taking work calls at work. <laughs> I gotta <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, it was just that moment where it was like, hey, this is a win. Um when we received our first investment, shout out to our first yes, Arlen Hamilton at Backstage Capital. And that was really the catalyst to just put us over that um hump. Love it. So what's your criteria for choosing brands to work with? Or is it just, hey, you're a black-owned beauty brand, you know, you can be, you can have space. Yeah, I think we all each have our own little, you know, what we look for, our own criteria, right? So for me, I really love a really good brand story and ingredient story. Um, For Angel, she's going to go to your social media and look at your packaging to a T and make sure, you know, everything's up to par. For Felicia, she's going to make sure you have, you know, UPC codes and MSDS, you know, all the legalities of like what it takes to have a beauty brand. So it's actually the perfect because I'm like, well, tell me about your beauty brand. And they're like, Montre, you can't just onboard somebody (laughs) because, you know, they put, you know, I don't know, shea butter. And it was just like they found it from the motherland. And like, and I'm like, but it's just so special. (laughs) I love that. Um, So something you just said really resonated with me. um, And I'll tell you why in a minute. But have you thought of... um, have you thought of exploring a beauty brands, African beauty brands? Yes, 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 yes. I know. Um, well, yes, one thousand percent. Okay, and the reason I'm like, I know we have some on the platform. Yeah, why do you ask? Because there is a woman who I was speaking to. She owns and um, she owns an A Beauty dedicated online retail store. She's based in um, Nigeria, I believe. She's like. Ghanaian and South African, but she lives in Nigeria. And she said exactly what you said, that she feels like a beauty brands need to come together and um, kind of like package themselves as a category in order to start penetrating the global market. So I just thought that that was so interesting hearing you say that just about Black-owned brands in general and like that approach to, you know, these larger retailers, because that's exactly what she said, but specific to a beauty brands and trying to push out of um, the continent. So coming yes, in as a collective to get into larger retailers exactly. like Sephora. Like having like a beauty, like an a beauty category, right? Like in Sephora, mm-hmm. like, you know how there's this K beauty, everybody K-beauty, has a K beauty yeah. yeah. category, mm-hmm. you know? So like having an a beauty category. So I was wondering if you thought of, you know, carrying yes, a for sure. Okay. A beauty, um, and expanding from there, we really just want to amplify our target market and like our core and just addressing the beauty needs and concerns of Black women. Man. And to um, the point of AB, like it's a trillion, half a trillion dollar industry, $536 billion globally is spent on oh, beauty. Lord. So there's enough for everyone. Like it's not, it, we're good, you know, we just have mm-hmm. to package it in the right way and um, deliver amazing products. Right. Oh, 
I love that. Okay. So, okay. Can we talk about the, the products, Dooney? Are you ready? Yes. To let's talk, talk about, about the products. Okay. Yes. But, but also I want to congratulate you um, on your $10,000 yes. from iFund Women. iFund Women. That's right. Oh, thank you. Yes, so, yes, yes. Actually, Talia, before we get into that, because <laughs> I know it's, it's so challenging for especially Black founders, Black women founders to get funded. So I think you guys had two, um, two uh, what do we call it? investors prior to this, right? How, can you just talk us through the process of like what it was like trying to get funding? Yes, it was a very, yeah. So we have two um, investors on our cap table, Black women at that, which is um, really interesting. 0.0008% of all VC money um, goes mm. to Black women. So we really just want to um, be a part of that change, right? Because, I mean, Billy just closed a deal of $310 million oh, on razors and um, shaving cream. So like... Um, but the journey no innovation. To, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Razor and shaving cream. Got it. Cool. That, you know, has a lot of justification. <laughs> I was like, what? So, what did I miss? Like, what what is the revolution behind these so this sad. particular razor and shaving cream? Right, exactly. And so just we need more exposure in the community. And I think it was just honestly, it was just tapping into the resources and you know, being the money, I think. I'm going to always use that quote. It's from Arlen Hamilton. She always says, be the money. And what she means by mm. that is just tapping into more um, books, podcasts, beauty needs me, skill sets. Like, how can you learn more and acquire more not wealth of knowledge mm. um, and then be that money that attracts money? So um, for me, it was really just diving in and learning about the VC world and tapping into those resources. And from there, it just became a little obsessed. I just became a little obsessed with it. And, you know, um, just start it's putting yourself out there. Right. And you may not get it right the first time, but, you know, the fifth or sixth time or the hundredth time, but you just have yeah. to keep trying. So I would just my advice to anyone who's looking for VC funding would be first, you know, try to bootstrap as much as possible. I think um, giving away equity is that's a big deal. Like, yes, the VC funding is really flashy and all you secured this amount of money, but the part they don't talk about is how much equity you had to give away Mm -hmm. for that, you know, small amount of money in the scale of VC funding. So um, I would just really first try to bootstrap as much as possible and just happen into your resources of VC funding Arlen Hamilton has a really great course, which I took, which really helped me. It's called um, How to Raise Capital from Scratch. And she gives you the cheat code. Um, and you, you, you know, you have to tap in, you have to take notes, you have to re-listen to some of the episodes and, you know, connect yourself with people who are in that space. So yeah, that would just be my advice. It's just, um, you can learn anything online. I mean, a lot of it you can learn off YouTube. You just, you really have to dive into the research and be the money. So when you are having these conversations, people know that you're coming from a background of um, knowledge and expertise in um, your field. Um, A random question. Do you think you guys will ever go to brick and mortar? That was on my list too. (laughs) Talia, we're right here. Always. Just checking off. So we recently did a pop-up shop. Yeah. (laughs) 
And that was like our, um, like, to see how it worked. And we had a really great, great, great response to that. Yes, we did meet at the pop-up shop. Hope you had a great time, girl. I loved it. Was that Um, your first one? (laughs) That was our first pop-up shop. So, yeah, we're open to the idea. We really want to make sure we, you know, just lock in what we have going on. But it's not off of our radar Mm -hmm. as far as being inside of a break. Will there be an at VDLA? I don't want to say no. Like, anything can happen. I don't see us having a storefront. I just, I don't think where our our world is heading, um, it's going to be super necessary. Um, But maybe like a pop-in, pop-in shop. Somewhere sense. would be awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I um, went to, to the holiday pop-up shop, I was just amazed at how many brands I wasn't aware of. I was like, but then, but then there were also so many brands that I was aware of. Like there were very popular brands. And then there were some that I was just like, well, this is interesting. There was a woman there who had um, a unisex like perfume cologne fragrance is what it's called. Talia. <laughs> fragrance. She had a unisex, a unisex fragrance. And I was like, it smelled really good. I was like, this is great. Like there were just all types of different brands that, you know, I wasn't aware of that were actually very good quality brands. You know, um, Celia, something you just said uh, triggered something. I, I think you guys do a really good job with your men's section on your website. I find that men are often left out of the conversation when it comes to personal care. And we've been talking about, I think we we were talking recently with um, Brittany from Beauty Bees and she was talking about how I think most of the majority of her customers are actually men. And we were just talking about how men aren't typically, I might've made that up, but it was something along those lines. Don't give me the line on this podcast. It was something about, it was something about how like, how men typically aren't marketed to, but they spend a lot of money. And I actually, I, I copied the link from the, um, like the men's section. And I sent it to my boyfriend. I was like, check this out. Uh, Cause he's big into, you know, black owned brands. And like, you know, he's like getting more heavily into his like personal care routine. Um, but I just thought, I thought that was, a, it was done very well because I find men are often left out of the conversation. To, so to see an actual section dedicated to the men, I was like, okay, that's, mm-hmm. that's, I, I see what's happening here. Yeah. 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 I think what she said, Dooney was like, the men are, really leaning into like the beard and the, the face, face probably, stuff. Oh, yeah. Probably like, accurate, yeah. Skin, you know. skincare stuff, you know. Yeah, y'all, y'all about- listen, <laughs> if you listen to this podcast enough, you know I'm always making up facts, so. <laughs> she was talking about how men um, have a lot of irritation from like shaving. So they okay. so that's what it was. Something they're always like lines. leaning into their <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, what you want to talk? Oh yeah. The, the product. Yes. Okay. You go first. Um, okay. So what are, can you tell us maybe two brands that you didn't even know existed until you were either approached by them or they, or you approached them, um, to be carried in your store? Is that the right term for like an online retailer to be carried in your store? Or is it to like yeah, be showcased? Onboarded. onboarded. Showcased. Thank you. Yes. Okay, onboarded. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, there was a lot that I was, you know, unaware of um, mm. at the time, but did a lot of research. Um, you know, the big ones like AJ Crimson, um, Baby uh, Baby Trez, 
um, what I'm like, I'm super impressed. Apara, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, Misho Beauty, uh, Mel's Butter Blends, uh, Lauren Napier. It, it um, the list goes on. I think really it was just like doing that research because you see them and you know you may have tried one or two, but there's like a whole assortment or they're launching products. But actually, what really was a catalyst. Um, was during the whole George Floyd mm-hmm. um, situation where there was a lot of, you know, showcasing of these brands. And it was like, wow, it was like every day it was super exciting because it was like this new beauty brand I wasn't you know, never heard of. And then, you know, ordered their products and fell in love. So that's usually in the beginning how it started it was just like ordering, oh my gosh, so many beauty. I missed those days where it was just like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah. So I'm not sure yeah. if that answered your question. I hope <laughs> no, you it did. did. You did. You did. You did. You did. Um, so when I think about like the the OG black owned um e-tailers, right? Like like black and green, right? Black and green, um, yeah. And then slowly but surely there have been several more that have been incorporated into the fold. How do you think AMP like stands apart from those? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I believe we are using our tech forward piece to really drive in the future of beauty. I feel like that is our our like takeaway or our differentiator when it comes to amplifying Black beauty. Because with the whole metaverse and now we got Bitcoin and NFTs and wow. you know things in that space, like we have to start getting you know being more ahead. Instead of trying to always play catch up. So I think right now that's how we stand. You know, we want to be a part of the future of beauty and the future of beauty is extremely inclusive and diverse and heavy on tech, heavy on AI, heavy on AR. Um, So that's what kind of makes us different and stands out from the rest. Love it. Um, Can you give us two of your favorite beauty products doesn't have to be you know just sold on Amp Beauty but just in general two of your favorite beauty products actually I'm lying two of your favorite beauty products in general and then two of your favorite beauty products from Amp LA Amp Beauty LA okay (laughs) in general I would say I've been really obsessed with I have this Oh, this is, um, it's kind of, I don't know why I'm embarrassed to say it because I feel like it's kind of weird, but. What is it? (laughs) (laughs) So I have a fruit making mask machine that I've been obsessed with. I'm sorry. I got it off. It's a fruit, fruit, it's a fruit mask. It's a fruit mask machine. So you put this, the fruit inside of it and it makes like a jelly mask so I've been using like that's my new obsession and sometimes I put like my Epara or my um Rosen wait a minute inside yeah it's first of all why are you embarrassed that sounds it's a game changer (laughs) and where can I get this like we need a name so I can google this Yes, it's just type in like a fruit mask machine. And it no, we won't sure. So just send us your link. <laughs> Ain't nobody about to Google and get the wrong one. We won't sure. Yeah, so. Even though that was the thing. How often do you mm-hmm. use it? I use it like once or twice a week. It has these little peptide pods you put in. It's it's so, I love Wait, it. I'm obsessed. So, okay, so you're not putting like fresh fruit in? Um, You can, yes. You can 
juice some fruit inside um, or just get natural like juice, actual like strawberry juice or watermelon juice and put it inside um, the machine. And it makes this like blend and it pours out onto this tray mask. Oh, and it's I, like a jelly. You wait three minutes and put it on your face. This Are we getting this? I know. Why would you be embarrassed about that? <laughs> Crazy. That's like, it's like weird. Like, I don't know. Maybe not. No, I just love beauty. I would try anything. <laughs> Maybe it's just not weird to us. Because look, yeah. we, we I know, ready we're, for We're week. right there with you. I know. <laughs> like, we'll, try try this thing. Cool. we'll try this thing next week. <laughs> Look. Yeah, so that's my like non-amp, even though I do include, you know, I put serums inside of the machine. And then as far as like my favorite amp products right now, I'm super obsessed with the Epara cleansing lotion. Ooh, I'm okay. super, uh, yes, that literally it's a like game cleansing changer. cleansing lotion, so it's a, it's a, like a face wash or is it a moisturizer? Yes, it's a face, it's both. So like... Mm. You can cleanse your face with it. Super. So I'm all about not disturbing the microbiome of your skin. That's where a lot of people go wrong when they're up, you know, looking for a skincare routine. Like your skin is already made up of everything it needs to like be glowy and flawless. So you really just want to be super gentle. Yeah. And be kind to your skin, like drink water. Like there's a lot of things that can help enhance. Yeah. I'm not saying that these products, but you just want to start with a great foundation. So I like gentle you know, gentle products for my skin and the cleansing, the cleansing lotion. So it's a really gentle cleanser. You can use it. Sometimes I use it without water, but you can use it with water. So if you use it without water, that's where you still get keep those like moisturizing um, benefits of the yeah. cleanser. Um, just keep your skin hydrated, right? I like the sound of that because especially in the winter, I get, mm-hmm. you know, so dry. So the sound of a, a cleansing lotion, um, that's oh, not so like beautiful. stripping. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to try that. There's something yes. on your personal website called Queen Dio. It's a deodorant. Oh, yeah. So that's Play Pits. Um, it's a natural deodorant. Play Pits? Is that? Is that yeah, it's called it? Play Pits. That's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's called Play Fits. Um, um, and it's an amazing, just natural, the only natural deodorant that works for me, honestly. And what I really mm-hmm. like about it, it has a nice tint to it. It's not like that chalky white. white yeah. So when you put, yeah, right. And so when you put it on, you're not, and it, if it gets anywhere, you don't see that white residue. Exactly. It kind of blends yeah. it. Or if you lift up your arms and it's not like, it's just, it blends yeah. in nicely. So it's like the aesthetics of it and then the efficacy of it where it actually works. Okay. I've used several. I'm a natural deodorant tester. Like somebody should be paying me the <laughs> amount of natural deodorants I've gone through to try to figure out which one works. I've only tried one black owned one. It was unsuccessful. So I'm gonna try this one. Play yeah, it. I've tried them all from like Malinin Gets to like, the most expensive, yeah, this one is just, she really did it right with this um, formula. Ooh, love, I that. love that. What's your, speaking of, so what is your, um, what's your skincare routine? Yeah, so skincare routine, I told you about the fruit mask. That's mm-hmm. one hack. And another hack is like ice facials. I've been really super obsessed with like putting ice on my face. Like, so I, I take ice right now and like, literally just like kind of like a gua sha tool and just like massage my face with ice just to help the circulation because right the cell turnover 
um, is from like more blood cells. So you want more blood into your skin so your cells can renew and turn over um, quick as possible to generate, you know, the fresh the fresh skin underneath there. So oh, you are coming that, with all the gems. I was like, that's good. And see, that's why I hang upside down. You remember, Dooney, when I yeah. talked about that, like a many episodes ago, I was like yeah. every morning, right? I drink my little water and then I, I hang upside down. Yep. <laughs> sometimes I drink my water and then, you know, thank God. But sometimes I drink my water, hang upside down. Then thank God. It's, mm-hmm. all, it's all, all three happen every morning though. Cause I'm like, let me get my, my face plump. Yep, and then exfoliate a little bit. So it's the ice, then the cleansing lotion, then like a little enzyme scrub. I love the enzyme scrub from Rosen. Use that about two or three times a week just to help um, remove the dead layer of skin. And then um, I'm really big on serums. I love the hydrating serum from Epara is amazing. Mm. Um, And I actually use that as a double underneath my eye as well. And then from there, I just layer on moisturizer. You do want to make sure you give yourself in between, um, time in between the steps of your uh, skincare to make sure that they really are um, absorbed. The product is, is absorbed into your skin. So yeah, layers of moisturizer and then ready to go. I love that. Yeah. I, I haven't that. used any um, Rosen products, but you mm-hmm. like those. Rosen? Yes, I love the Rosen. Um I think our best seller right now is definitely the Bright Citrus Serum or the Super Smoothie Cleanser. Okay. okay. And that Bright Citrus Serum is like the vitamin C? Yes, yes, yes. Helps with like dark spots, um, hyperpigmentation, any like post um, scarring from any like acne you've probably had. I know during like my periods, I break up, like I break out, (laughs) break up and break out. It's a fact. (laughs) All right. uh, So how do you feel about us moving into segments? Let's do it. Okay. We got about 10 minutes. Okay. So I'm going to show you this um, first segment is called beauty news where one of us picks an article. Uh, the other one doesn't know what the article is. And we essentially give our reactions and our thoughts. You actually already alluded to my topic. But that's okay. I'm going to still go with it because, you know, that's what we do here. But Tell me. It's, it's basically about Lush quitting social media over mental health mm. concerns. <laughs> Um, so on this, it. Was, this was published on November 24th. I got this from Premium Beauty News, even though it was like everywhere. Um, and I'll just read it. It's very quick. It says British cosmetics brand Lush is shutting down social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Snapchat from Friday in an effort to address consumers' mental health challenges, in particular where teenage girls are concerned. In a statement on November 22nd, Lush, known for its effervescent bath balls and colorful soaps, adds that these accounts will remain disabled in the 48 countries where it operates until these platforms, quote unquote, take action to provide a safer environment for users. The group will, however, remain present on Twitter and YouTube. U.S. whistleblower Francis Haugen, a computer engineer who left Facebook in May, notably denounced the impact of social networks on children and accused the platforms of fueling disinformation and the spread of hateful content. The group says it has previously considered withdrawing from social media in the past, but has decided to take the plunge after recent revelations from quote unquote, courageous whistleblowers, which clearly lays out the known harms that young people are exposed to because of the current algorithms and loose regulation. 
something has to change, insists the group, hoping that platforms will introduce strong breast practice guidelines and hopes that international regulation will be passed into law. Yeah, that's heavy. Um, I mean, like I said before, yeah, I, it's a, yeah, go ahead. Please. Like, <laughs> <She> like bursting. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is very noble. I think Lush is a big enough company where they can do something like that and their sales won't be heavily affected mm. by, you know, TikTok marketing. Um, and I think it is really up to those larger brands to really move the conversation forward because the smaller brands can't afford to go mm-hmm. dark on every platform. So I absolutely think that, you know, if anybody's going to do it, you know, it should be the lushes of the world. I agree. And I think they're projected to lose like $13 million. Um, what? Due to this, like, yeah, 13 mil. It's like a drop I mean, in the bucket for them now. Yeah, I mean, thir- right. I mean but, but I don't know. 13 mil is 13 mil. It might be because I don't have one mil, but I'm like, listen, any mil is. It ain't, mil is- well, yeah. ain't 500,000. 13 million ain't no hole. So, but good for them, you know? <laughs> Sacrifice. Yeah, I agree with it. And I agree. I think larger brands, you know, and yeah. the Cody's, the Estee Lauders, you know, these exactly. conglomerates. Exactly. Exactly. I feel I'm often conflicted because I I often feel like, um, you know, the beauty industry creates the problems that that we then provide solutions for. And so we we talked about um, the rise on a few episodes ago. We actually talked about the rise in children who are suffering from Snapchat dysmorphia and who literally (laughs) go to first of all, their parents or whomever are taking them to plastic surgeons. And these are teenagers for consultations. And teenagers are wondering why they can't get anime eyes like in real life. Like the the amount of just the disconnect to reality is crazy to me. So I definitely think something needs to be done because we can all say, um, you know, we have to, it starts at home. You have to teach your children and blah, 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 blah. Blah, but the reality is like you can't um it's gonna happen right like these influences are out there and so I think that and I I'm I'm a little conflicted on like all of the news that came out of Facebook to be honest with you like I I know what the reports say um I'm a little conflicted on like is that what was really going on? This this whistleblower, apparently she wasn't even really in the department where this stuff goes on. She was an engineer, but mm. you know what? Far be, I, don't, I don't know the ins and outs. At the end of the day, I definitely agree. It's up to these larger companies and conglomerates to take a stand because something yeah, does have then, to be done. But you know I what? Agree, it's gonna be, then, I'm sorry, go ahead, Montre. No. Okay, so yeah, I just agree because um, China... I don't know if you've all heard this story, but they're trying to unaddict kids from social media and they're actually, the government is actually now stepping in mm. and it, you have to say you're a certain age. And if you're under that certain age, or I think it's under 14, um, you only get 40 minutes a day of social media. You're, the app is closed at night. You get five second pauses between videos. Um, there's also educational content inserted in between. So instead of seeing a, uh, you know, someone twerking on your feed, you, you know, they're not going to be, sub- they're going to see an educational something about science and experiments and yeah. math problems. And 
So I think um, there it's, you know, not to the extent of where it's, you know, um, I don't know. It's hard, but something needs to change. Yeah. I don't want to be like under a dictatorship where we don't have the freedom of expression. Oh, but I think, God damn, communist yeah. China. But also, well, right? Okay. Exactly, exactly. It's like you know, it has to a be lot. a happy medium. Exactly. There's a lot we can criticize, you know. But I feel like that example, I'm a hundred percent behind. I'm a hundred percent behind that because kids. I feel. I mean, I have family members who are young, like under ten, and I'm like, y'all are addicted to these tablets and to social media. Like y'all are just addicted, you know? Wake up first thing in the morning, it's like pulling your tablet and it's scary. I I think it's scary for adults. Like I have to consciously not go on my phone first thing in the morning. I have to consciously not go. I sleep with my phone now outside of my bedroom simply because if I wake up in the middle of the night, which I always do, I will be scrolling for two hours. Like Mm -hmm. for what, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was watching um, an episode of Explained and they were talking about how it it feels overwhelming, right? It feels like, um, like we are consuming social media at such an alarming rate. Um, but the same thing was said about every other form of entertainment. The same was said about the radio when mm-hmm. that was a thing. The same was said about TV, right? And I was one of those kids who lived in front of music videos. Like I lived there. Like after school, I am glued to the box. Like I am am there. And then there's MTV and then there's BET. Like I was glued to music videos, right? Mm -hmm. Which can have the same, maybe not the exact same, but for the time, that kind of impact on your self-image, right? I was also that little girl who was glued to, to my mama's Ebony and Essence and Jet. I mean, it's like, those now it's just on a different level on a different platform Mm. um, and your peers can engage with you in it right but I remember spending hours right calling the box because you could see your name and your message and your video (laughs) at the bottom and my friends and we all waited and I'm like ah I see yours like that was what I was running up the fucking running up the phone bill, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, so- All the damn I, 800 numbers. Right? I'm, I'm like, I get it. Um, I feel like our culture, like not American culture, but like society in general, when we latch on to something, we latch onto it hard, like That's porn. Crazy. Shit is through the roof. <laughs> porn is taking over people's lives. The same way I think TikTok is. Like yeah. people, people TikTok and all over, they masturbating like crazy. Like everything it's, is out of control. It's hilarious. Throw the whole country away. Okay. We need to start from scratch. Where is the rapture? Right. Everything is crazy. Like I get it though. I, yeah. And I think that's what makes it like super special. I'm not gonna nerd out too much, but like the whole web three and like moving away from What's a more discreet. Oh, Web3. So Web2 is where we're in right now, where the social media platforms kind of control this internet space, right? Like Google, Facebook. Web3 is going to be more of a decentralized where the people control what's happening instead of large corporations like the Googles and the cool. Facebooks. So How do we move there? I, like, how does we that go there now? Like, how do we what go does there well, the infrastructure I like is somebody's auntie. Yeah. <laughs> like, when, when, when do we start that? <laughs> yeah, 
It's starting now. It is starting now. So I'm very hopeful of the future and be able to take control of like our influence and our data um, in a more decentralized environment where there's not, you know, four or five companies ruling and controlling our narratives and beauty standards and beauty ideals. Okay, Mm. Web3. I'm about to Google the hell out of that tonight. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next segment is Add to Cart. So Add to Cart is where we uh, essentially recommend an item that we love. It can be a beauty product. It can be home decor. It can be it could literally anything, just whatever you've come across or that you have that you feel like um, other people should, should have as well, or that you think other people would like. So I'll start first. Okay. Um, at the risk of sounding controversial, <laughs> <laughs> me and my homegirls, like about a month or so ago, Y'all know how like the whole, oh, um, I have to admit that I like skims. Like people were coming out saying that they have to admit they like skims. I am definitely (laughs) one of those people. And like my homegirls and I are part of the club. And I have to say that I am, I'm low-key obsessed with my skims loungewear. It is some of the best. I don't know if I, have I done this before, Talia? Or did I just talk about how I how I think I like skims. I don't think I did the add to cart, but I don't think short, you did the add to cart. Okay, long story short, I am obsessed. It is some of the most comfortable loungewear that I have ever owned. It is comfortable. It's stylish. I love it. Currently have it on right now. This is a little set. Ooh, I know it's cute. I love that color too. <laughs> color palettes. I love, love, love. Yes. And I was, I have to say, I, so I, it took me a long time. I was, um, I was very conflicted at first with my school of thought regarding Kim Kardashian West, the Kardashian-Jenner clan. Um, But look, System made a good product and I'm here for a good product. (laughs) No judgment here. This is a safe space. Is it? <laughs> You're not judging me, Mantra, and I appreciate it. Talia, on the other hand, I'm not. I'm, look, I am. I am not judging you. I understand. I understand that. I mean, have there been things that I've purchased, even though I don't like the person? Maybe I'm sure. I'm sure there are things, right? Like I can't. I can't think of it. I, I still have conflicting ideas. Well, no, I'm very clear on my dislike of Kanye West. Um, and that's why I don't listen to any albums after. The new after, Kanye, right? Yeah. New Kanye, gonna right. But yeah, I, we got to put say, a timeline on. I agree. Side. I agree. Because I'm never getting rid of my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy. Exactly. Okay? Ever. Exactly. If I was drop out. Exactly. They're never exactly. going away. Yeah. Exactly. But and the to- last album I listened to was I think it was that Pablo one. I haven't heard okay. that gospel mix up. I ain't gonna so. hold you. The gospel, the gospel one hits. I'm not gonna hold you. Sunday service. The gospel Sunday had day. him in a, in a Trump hat at fucking Howard. So we're not gonna blame the gospel on that. We blame a yes, Kanye on that. We, we blame a yes, Kanye for that. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say, I actually, I actually do like him. I like him. I I do. I like him, Kardashian. I think that she, you know, I'm not here to discuss whatever her history is but I like the woman who Kim is um today and I think there's been a lot of growth 
in her. And I think that people deserve grace and growth. So yeah, I don't even think about her. Um, so <laughs> I ain't judging you. I don't even think about her. I can't lie. Okay, good. All right. What's your add to cart? Um, my caftan. So I currently oh, yes. have a, a, a caftan. Um, comfortable lounge wear from Kate Spade. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's it. I just, it's like a little moo-moo thing that I just been walking around in. Um, I recommend it. It's super comfortable. It got some like real low slit. It's not sexy. Like Dooney should look sexy. She got cleavage and shit. Like uh, it's not sexy. Like <laughs> it's, just little, <laughs> it's just a little little caftan. Um, so that I could have something loose. I don't like to wear bottoms, right? So like I'd be naked under here, no, no draws, no nothing. <laughs> How we do I, it? I needed things so that I can be free. So okay. I got me a little caftan. Nice. Mine tray? Yeah, so my add to cart right now, um, just to stay on the same wavelength of loungewear, Savage Fenty, for sure, am a super fan, super, super fan of uh, Savage, and they had an amazing Black Friday sale, um, a part of their membership as well, so that's always an add to cart for me, and then as far as in the beauty space, I have been obsessed recently with dry brush, dry brushes, so Ooh, um, yes. exfoliating, so yeah. That's right. So a couple months, so a couple months ago, Angel and I were at lunch and she has the most silky soft skin. And she told me she was waxing for years. And I'm like, girl, you're waxing. This is like probably TMI. Sorry, Angel. But she waxes her whole body. Uh-huh. And I, I was just so intrigued. Right. So I started like about four months ago now and then became obsessed with dry brushing. I just felt total shift in like the health of my in, like all Ooh. over um yeah so I'm super obsessed with dry brushing right now so any dry brush we have an amazing dry brush by buff experts on our website um and yeah I just that's my add to cart I think everyone sh- you know I feel like the body gets neglected when we talk it about does. beauty and skincare right absolutely absolutely there's actually a um, black owned dry brush brand not sure if you're aware. We did oh, a, send me. Oh, yeah. I'll send it to you. It's called Gilded Body. We, actually we love her. Gilded. Yeah, we had the nice. founder on, I think, earlier this year. And her brushes are beautiful. I used it today. Yes, they are beautiful. Um, definitely a luxurious feel. And they are um, mm-hmm. they're effective. They work well. And the body butter. The body butter is efficient. Oh, yes. The body butter as well. Yeah. It is thick. You only just need a dollop. Ooh. Hi, Blair. Blair Blair Armstrong. Blair Armstrong. Yeah. Nice. Okay, Montre. Now, our final question for you is, why does beauty need you? That's an amazing question. I feel beauty needs me to, you know, be my authentic self and just bring a new, fresh perspective into the space and also be a champion and a vessel for other brands to thrive and um, provide resources and beauty needs me because I have three younger sisters and I respect them and love them dearly and I want to create a better beauty future for them as well so yeah that's the answer love it let me just say so last night this is a pivot because that's what I do but last night I was on the phone with a male suitor and he was complimenting me. 
Dunisha. Amel Suter. I just wow. Love, like, like, Amel Suter. Who says that? I love. I love that. Like I love that. Um, one of my male Suter. I, I, oh, I did not say one of my. He is oh, currently my the male, only male okay. Suter. Your male the Suter. Only, okay. Only, not, <laughs> Whoa. It's time for us to go. I'm not going to get in trouble. Yeah, my lips are closed. (laughs) Last night, I was on the phone with a male suitor and he was complimenting me on my voice. And I was like, man, I was like, it's kind of high pitched. I feel like every time I listen to the podcast, I'm like, man, I wish I had a deeper voice, Mm. right? I'm like, it's not as high as like, a Cardi B, but then it's not as as luxurious as like Tony Braxton. I wish it just had a little bit more bass to it. <laughs> but Montre, I say that to say you have a great like voice. So when I send him this link, I'm gonna be like her voice. That's oh the voice. no, I'm a <laughs> I feel like the way you feel listening to like I hate my voice. I like have dodged every podcast since this one because I'm like, okay, you got to get over here in your voice. Like at oh! some point. You were like, you were I like, appreciate yeah, that. so I feel like beauty needs me because I was like, this is a I know, I was voice. definitely over here like, ooh. <laughs> it make you feel warm and cozy, like, because I have three younger sisters. I was like, this is what I'm going to imitate. So the next time you see me and I'm talking like you. You have your mantra voice on. No, <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so sweet to me. All right, Montre, thank you so much for joining us. Duty, yes, this was a pleasure. You ladies are rock stars. I love, thank you for providing a voice and amplifying beauty founders and beauty lovers. I think this is extremely honorable what you guys are doing and keep up the great work. Like I know you guys are going to do more amazing things. So I'm here to follow your journey and support any way that I can, please. Thank you so, so much. And beauty needs me, fam. Until next time. Till next time. This is the peace that you cannot buy. Send me love that you cannot mix. One is the joy that you cannot waste. And the other one price that you cannot fix. This is the peace that you cannot buy. Finding a way where you cannot see.